gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Welcome back to my two cents podcast. This is episode 95, which is entitled right is right. I am your host G2 and God almighty. Does it feel nice just to say I'm your host G2 because last week, boy, oh boy, let me break this down for people that were not here last week and probably didn't listen. So one, hello Two, um, I was sick. I was sick as hell. I was not in the greatest mood to record episode 94 last week, but I felt that I owed it to everyone and I wanted to keep that streak of constantly recording episodes weekly and I didn't want to like break that streak up so I felt it in my best interest to record it even though I only gave you guys 30 minutes I still felt that those 30 minutes were quality content so I threw it out there and you know what now being rested up healed up not sick anymore well at least still well let's put it like this I could cough and I still have like some mucus coming up but probably too much information, but I am feeling 100%. That's the best thing about this. So I'm glad that I am good and well rested and I can give you guys a full-fledged episode today. As you guys can tell from the time stamp and time marks, trust me, it's going to be a full-fledged episode here today. But anyway, let's start off with the National Food Days of the Week, shall we? Today, being October 9th, it is Hoagie Day, as well as Pizza and Beer Day, so drink responsibly. Also, Moldy Cheese Day. Tomorrow, October 10th, Indigenous People Day is Angel Food Cake Day. October the 11th, Sausage Pizza Day. October 12th, Pumpkin Pie Day. Also, Gumbo Day. October 13th, Yorkshire Pudding Day. October 14th, Dessert Day. October 15th, Red Wine Day. So again, drink responsibly, as well as Mushroom Day. So, Let's start off with the first topic of the week, which is U.S. conducts back-to-back raids in Syria, killing key ISIS operatives. As this comes from the Washington Post, the U.S. military announced on Thursday that it had conducted two raids in Syria within a day of each other, killing two key ISIS targets and their associates. According to the U.S. Central Command, American forces conducted an airstrike in northern Syria on Thursday that targeted and killed a deputy Wali or governor in Syria, as well as another senior ISIS official associated with him, whom the military did not name. The strike will degrade ISIS's ability to destabilize the region and strike at our forces and partners. Army General Michael Kurilla, whose lead U.S. Central Command, said in a statement announcing the raid and governor's death, our forces remain in the region to ensure the enduring defeat of ISIS. So, just wanted to give everybody an update on this. America is still out there in Syria, out there in the Middle East, trying to take care of ISIS. Again, this goes back to 9-11, and this has continued to be going on for literally about 21 years. I don't know when this thing will end between America and ISIS and the Taliban and all this type of stuff. I don't know when it will end, personally. But I hope it comes to an end, because I know there's a lot of people over there in the Middle East that's probably getting tired of being like, the casualty of this war between America and ISIS and Al-Qaeda and all this type of nonsense. So I'm hoping that there could be some middle ground struck between ISIS and the U.S. I don't think there ever will be, but the the person inside me that my mother has put in me, the compassionate guy that I've grown to actually hone in in my life to show compassion for everybody else, I'm hoping that there is some middle ground to be struck here because I don't want to see people constantly die back to back. I just want people to be able to be like, all right, you guys caused this much damage to us. We caused this much damage to you guys. Don't you think we probably are done with this now? And that we can just find some middle ground, call it a day and be done. Hopefully we get to that point sometime, somehow, but I just don't see it anytime in the future. But again, I'm not, I am a, uh, I'm not an opportunist. I am a optimist. I am a person that just feels that it should be coming towards end soon. But that's just something that comes from the Washington Post, and that's something out of the U.S. territory. Now on to inside the U.S., as this comes from CNN. 
New York City Mayor Eric Adams declared state of emergency over influx of migrants. Mayor Eric Adams has declared a state of emergency to help respond to the city's migrant crisis, which he told reporters Friday will cost the city $1 billion this year. We now have a situation where more people are arriving in New York City than we can immediately accommodate, including families with babies and young children. Adams said once the asylum seekers from today's buses are provided shelter, we would surpass the highest number of people in record history in our city's shelter system. The mayor called for emergency federal and state aid to handle the continued influx of asylum seekers. Adams' declaration will direct all relevant city agendas to coordinate efforts to respond to the humanitarian crisis and to construct the city's humanitarian emergency response and relief centers. The state of emergency will be in effect for 30 days and may be extended, the mayor said. New York City now has more than 61,000 people in its shelter systems, including thousands experiencing homelessness and thousands of asylum seekers who have been bused in over recent months from other parts of the country, according to the mayor. He said more than 17,000 asylum seekers have been bused to New York City from the southern border since April of this year. As of the first week of October, Texas has spent more than 18 million busing migrants who have been processed and released by immigration authorities in Texas borders, communities to Washington, D.C., New York City, and Chicago. Texas Governor Greg Abbott announced the program in April as part of his response to Biden's administration's immigration policies and acknowledged that taxpayers were likely to fit the bill. So, as you can tell, Texas is starting to ship some of the migrants to all these different places because Texas doesn't want to deal with this no more. I believe that Texas has been dealing with immigration for some time now because Texas is like the closest state for any of the uh, immigration type of stuff to any to like really take effect, to be honest with you, because they got the border right there, legitimately right there. And I'm going to say this right now. Um... New York City is going to have a problem because New York City, I've been there like a couple times and you can see the people on the streets. They're not there. Some of them are not sane all the way. Some of them are not all the way there. Some people were legitimately homeless. Like I remember the first time going up to New York City and I was in the passenger seat. My mother was driving. We like drive into Times Square and I see on the side there was a big dude like his shirt was all dusty. His he was had dusty like hair. I mean, man was filthy. And I was shocked by this because again, I'm a man that watches television. I'm a man that watches movies and all this type of stuff. They don't show New York being dirty the way that you when you walk in New York City at night at least. Um trash is literally on the sidewalks and all that type of stuff. Even in the morning and afternoon, trash is still in the morning and sidewalks right there. But you don't see it on television and movies. So it was like a real startled thing for me and to see somebody is all dirty up like that I was like yo what are we doing like what's the deal here I already knew there was homelessness but this one it just like struck me in the face like it really like punched me so for migrants to be in there to be in New York City that have been shipped from Texas and Texas has been shipping them to Washington DC they've been shipping them to New York City, they be shipping them to Chicago. I'm just in fear of the migrants' life because, again, they are following America's big tagline that America has for generations and generations has been passed on. The American dream. You could come here, you could actually make something of yourself that you couldn't do in the country that you were born in. So come here and at least try to accomplish that dream. And that's America for you in one big fancy bow and present. So when immigrants or migrants, however you want to like call them, they come over here and they seek out the American dream. They want to make their way. They want to preserve a life for not just themselves, but for their children and future generations for them to do better than they could ever do in their former country. I feel I'm I'm heartbroken for them for when they come over here. I really am feel heartbroken for them because again, they're trying to just accomplish something. They're trying to just achieve something that they couldn't do over in their other country. That's one thing. 
And then when they come here, it's all, damn you, don't come here, why are you here, you're taking our jobs, and all this type of stuff. I can see how that is startling for people to come over here, and they just feel like, yo, why are y'all just so bastardizing us? We're just here, we're trying to make it better for our family, we're just trying to, like, do the American dream, we're trying to actually do the tagline of what this country is. I understand why people from other countries look at America as the place of milk and honey. I see it because America has always been built as that in the media. It's been built that way in the way that Americans talk about America from time to time. They don't really get to see the dirty side of America until you're actually here and then you get to experience what America is. Every country has their dirty underbelly parts and America has it, but America to other countries, and I think other countries are starting to see it now, America has a dirty underbelly that America doesn't like to really touch until you really start to touch it. And then they're like, okay, we got to touch it and get done with it. But back to the point. Immigrants are now coming over here. Texas is shipping them off. I feel sorry for them. There's going to be people that say, no, they should stay in their country. I don't feel that way. I, I can't feel that way. Because, again, they're trying to make a better way for their family and themselves. So I want... Here's my solution to this. For the people that say immigrants shouldn't be here, you need to go up to Congress. You need to go up to whoever is in charge of your state, your town, all this type of stuff. See who they can get in contact with Congress, get in contact with the House, the Senate, all this type of stuff, and tell them that they need to change the slogan for America. Let them change the slogan for America because then guess what? It will at least put a damper on the percentage of immigrants that want to come over here. Think about it. America is literally the only country, to my belief, that has a tagline that is synonymous with its country. I don't know a tagline for Canada. I don't know a tagline for Mexico. I don't know a tagline for the UK. I don't know a tagline for uh, China, Japan, Korea, North Korea, South Korea. I don't know a tagline for Australia. I don't know no tagline that any of these places have. I know America is synonymous with the American dream. And I think you say that anywhere around the world, anybody in any other country will know exactly what the American dream is and they'll start picturing it and they'll able to at least somewhat spit out what the American dream is. So go to your local uh, person in charge, see whoever they got in contact with the Senate, or higher up until it makes it to the Senate, makes it to the House, and see if they can start making a petition to change America's tagline to America to not no longer have a tagline. Because again, if they don't have a tagline, it's going to put a damper and people wanted to come over here. And also, this is an actual true thing. I didn't know that until this week when I was in one of my college classes. So thank you to Professor Holiday for this. Did you know that whenever Kit Kat lost its slogan, the Break Me Off a Piece of That Kit Kat Bar, the sales of Kit Kat took a dive and it didn't lose anything else. They still kept the exact same candy, the same chocolate, same wafer, same everything, but they took away the slogan. Once the slogan got taken away, sales in Kit Kat started to drop. So once the sales dropped, guess what Kit Kat started to do? They put the slogan back and guess what? The sales started to go back up. People missed the slogan of bring me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. People might say, how can that be a thing? It's called having that place in your head for so long and therefore whenever something doesn't have it anymore guess what happens you don't remember it and you don't care for it anymore that's what america in this whole situation is right now the american dream is in the name when you break down the american dream everybody knows what it is so again if you don't want immigrants to come over here remove the tagline from america let america be like every other country around the world that doesn't have one, and I guarantee you at least start seeing a dip, or at least you'll start seeing some immigrants not wanting to come here, they'll go over to Canada, they'll try to make their way over to the UK, or wherever else, but you won't see them in America if you don't want immigrants or migrants, wherever you want to call them, to come to America. So that's my piece on this. Until then, New York City, uh, Chicago, Washington, D.C., maybe even California next, because I don't doubt that Texas isn't petty enough to send certain people over to Cali so they can experience what it's like to live over there in Cali. Prepare yourself. Embrace yourself. Because there's going to be more people coming 
over to your state. There's going to be more people coming over to your location. And I want everybody to please be aware because when more people come over and you don't know who they are, you don't speak Spanish, you don't speak their language, they don't speak your language, the fear builds up. And if fear builds up, guess what happens? People become antsy and people don't like feeling fear. People will feel that they are being threatened. If people feel threatened, people will die and innocent lives will be lost. Whether they are American lives or people that come from other countries, lives will be lost. That's kind of how human nature works. So I hope everything gets figured out before that type of stuff happens. But I just want to give everybody some ideas of what could lead into the future. So again, remove the American tagline, the American dream, and I guarantee you we'll at least start seeing some uh, immigration stuff starting to shift away from America. Now, on to the next topic, as this comes from The Guardian. Innocent is innocent, period. Richard Glossep on facing execution again. Richard Glossep is intimately acquainted with the cell in Oklahoma State Penitentiary known as LL. He's been inside its 8 foot by 12 foot gray walls three times waiting to be taken to the next room the next door, the death chamber. Glossett was brought into the cell each time at 3 a.m. on the morning of his scheduled execution. In a letter and phone call from Guardian from Death Row in McAllister, Oklahoma last week, he described what it was like spending what he thought were his final hours inside LL as the clock ticked down. One side of the cell is covered in bright lights that never go off like you are out in the sun, he said. You are watched by cameras as well as a guard who sits outside your door 24-7. As Glossop's date with death grow closer, guards started holding mock executions. They would lead an actor dressed in prison uniform in the death chamber, strap him on the gurney, and then roleplay the execution procedure from start to finish. That is a dickhead move. God, what pieces of garbage. The entire dress rehearsal was carried out in Glossop's full view. I could see everything. I could have stayed in the back of the cell and tried not to watch, but I didn't because I knew I was next. The most recent time Glossop was in the cell, LL, was on September 30th, 2015. It was the hardest day of my life, he said. He remembers shivering in his boxer shorts, pacing up and down to keep warm in the cell, which was cold as a meat locker. He reportedly asked the guards what was happening and could he talk to his attorney? No, and no, they replied. The execution team was supposed to come and get me within 15 minutes and take me into the death chamber, but nobody came. I paced and paced, pray harder than I ever have. Please, God, stop them from doing this to me. Now, you might be asking yourself, why am I saying all this? Why am I talking about a man that was on execution that's on death row right now? Well, here's some backstory to you. Uh, Richard Glossett was sentenced to death for the 1997 murder of Barry Von Trissett, or Tracy, sorry if I don't know how to pronounce the last name of the man, owner of a best budget motel in Oklahoma City where Glossett worked as a manager. No one has ever accused him of actually killing Barry Von Tracy. Rather, Justin Seed, a maintenance worker at the motel with a methamphetamine Habit confessed that all on his own, he beat Barry to death with a baseball bat. Justin later turned state witness and testified that Richard had ordered the murder. On the strength of Justin's testimony with no other forensic or corroborating evidence, the state secured a death sentence for Richard while the sole killer, Justin, was given life without parole. Richard, who went through two trials in 1998 and 2004 and was convicted twice, has always pleaded innocent. In August, Oklahoma's governor, Kevin Stint, granted Glossop another reprieve, ordering a 60-day stay to give the courts time to consider new evidence. The postponement came just a day before the prisoner was due to be put back into death watch, the month-long formal countdown which ends with him being put in cell LL. For the very first moment I saw this case, it never made any sense, Attorney Don Knight. Now the whole grim process is starting up again. A new execution date has been set, and unless something dramatic happens, Richard will before long find himself once again back inside LL at 3 a.m. watching the clock tick down. So, this is troubling me. You mean to tell me 
that this man, Justin Seed, who said that he confessed on his own that he beat the owner of this motel up. Not motel up. He murdered this man in 1997. Okay? And he happened to turn state by somehow, someway. They said he had a methamphetamine habit. And let's not get it twisted. Back in 1997, just like they do in 2022 now, some officers are dirty and they just want to get a win or whatever the case may be. And they ask somebody, hey, do you do this by yourself? Or did somebody else come up with the idea and you've handed it out? Or whatever the case may be. This guy, Justin Seed, said that Richard Glossop came up with the idea and told me to kill Barry. Now, there has been no forensic evidence, no nothing to correct this guy, Richard, to the murder of Barry. But you only got the guy who has a methamphetamine habit, who confessed to the murder all by himself at first, said that now, well, back in 1997, Back then, said that, yo, this guy, he said that I should kill him and I did it. Yo, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? This man has been on death row for a long time. This man is facing death by the end of this year. Legitimately, by the end of this year, this guy could be put to death. And we are just over here just like, nah, we're good. What are we doing? This should prove to you right here. The legal system don't give a damn. If you are innocent or guilty, this guy right here is innocent, dude. We got until December 8th. Ladies and gentlemen, people have until December 8th to get this innocent man out of jail. Now, why did this thing come up to me this week? I have no idea. To be honest with you, I was searching around. This thing popped in my face and I looked more into it and I thought to myself, how? 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 I don't care whether you are black, white, Hispanic, Chinese, whatever. Wrong is wrong, right is right, and innocent is innocent, period. Thanks to The Guardian for putting up that tagline and that title. But it's true. If you are innocent, you are innocent. There is nothing to tie this man to this murder. Nothing except for a man that has a drug habit. Come on. Come on. What are we really doing here? This proves right here without a shadow of a doubt the justice system does not care if you are truly innocent or you're truly guilty. They just want a win. They just want a body to a person's name. Literally, you have all this stuff. The man that did it said, yo, I did this. I did it. What are we doing? This doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't. I'm a man that likes to play on even ground with everybody. If you strike me, hey, I'm going to give you two choices. Either you apologize or we get shaken and we get busy in here. I give you an opportunity and a chance. Fair is fair. Right is right. If you didn't hit me and I accuse you and you say, yo, I didn't hit you and all this type of stuff, I'll at least listen and hear you out. If it makes sense to me, guess what? All right, you didn't hit me. My bad, you know. That's it. Or if you have photo evidence or video evidence, you didn't hit me. Okay, cool. There is nothing to tie this man to this murder. Nothing. And somehow he has been on death row since 98. Come on, dude. Come on. This ain't right. This ain't fair. And if anybody has any type of soul, they know this ain't right. This ain't fair. We should look at our justice system and say, how is this guy on death row? As a matter of fact, we should look at the dead death row system and question how many of these people on death row are really the killers. Or they just got put in there because of somebody or the court themselves just wanted a win and wanted a body. This right here is disgusting. Truly disgusting. I hope that this gets some national coverage. I really do. Stop waiting until December where the time's almost clicking down where, all right, guys, well, Good Morning America, CBS, CNN, everybody's covering this. No, ABC, CBS, CNN, Fox, I don't care what news coverage what station you on follow this up follow it up i'm just a little nugget for you i'll throw this out to you every time on instagram i'll send this to you fine but follow this up i'm going to stay on this because personally this is nasty this is gross how an innocent person is literally going to be sent to death before the end of this year is done with of for being innocent and having nothing to do with somebody being dead being killed it's disgusting. It's nasty. It's wrong. I'm hoping that 
this guy gets off of death row. I really do. But we shall see. We have to wait until December 8th because that is whenever they're going to call his bell, call his time, call up his ticket. So uh, I hope that somebody can get this man out of here. I really, really do. Uh, all prayers to Richard, Richard Glossop right now. That's, that's the only thing I got. I want to keep everybody informed about this because this is nasty, completely disgusting. Now, on to something else. This is coming from the New York Times, and it reads, Alec Baldwin and Helena Hutchins' family reach Rust Settlement. The family of Helena Hutchins, the cinematic, well, the center photographer who was fatally shot by Alec Baldwin on the set of the movie Rust last year, has reached a settlement in his wrongful death lawsuit against producers, including Mr. Baldwin. Lawyers for the party said on Wednesday, production for the film will resume in January with Matthew Hutchins, Miss Hutchins' widower, as executive producer, according to the terms of the settlement. Okay. Uh, I don't know how people are going to be feeling about that. Like, the actors going back to that job for that. Okay. Uh, the suit, which was filed in January by Miss Hutchinson's husband, her younger son, and the personal representative of her estate accused Mr. Baldwin and the other defendants of reckless conduct and cost-cutting measurements that endangered the crew, including failing to follow basic industry standard safety checks and gun safety rules. Okay, so Rust is now getting back on production in January. Uh, Alec Baldwin is not going to face no criminal suits, I believe. I don't believe nobody's going to be facing any type of criminal like manners for this. I don't know how anybody feels, to be honest. For me, as a just guy watching this, and he's a guy that's going to have to just, whenever this stuff gets announced, because it will, that Russ will be back in production, I wonder how the public's going to be feeling about this. Me, I don't think this movie should be made ever again. I think this movie should be scrapped and just sent to the gulag and sent directly to the flames, the pits. Because somebody died, a legit person died on this. And I, I don't know. I I don't know how to feel about it, but I mean, if the husband's okay with it, and I mean, I think they should have spoken to the rest of the producers and the rest of the crew about it, and if they're okay with it, they have no problem going back to filming it, I mean, those are the only people that truly matter, but the only person that really, really, truly matters is the husband of it, and if he's okay with the movie constantly uh, continue being filmed, I mean, since he's now the, like, part of it, and he's the executive producer for the movie, I mean, if he's cool with it, I mean... Fine, I just wanted to keep everybody in the loop of that business sakes, because again, it's weird. I don't care how you slice it or dice it or cut it up in half, that is extremely weird. But who's to say, man, we continue to uh, go about our business and go about money, because you got to constantly go about it. The bills don't stop. If somebody dies in your household, bills are going to constantly come every month. So, I mean, I can see him doing this for the money's sake. So, I mean, who's to say? Now off to the next topic as this comes from Business Insider. Michael Fannon, a former D.C. police officer who was attacked at the Capitol riot, says he's broke and that speaking out about January 6th destroyed my career. Former Washington, D.C. Metropolitan Police Officer Michael Fannon has frequently spoke out against the January 6th attack on the Capitol and at great personal expense, according to him. Michael Fannin is broke. I'm pretty sure that's why people do things like this. Fannin told Rolling Stone, speaking of himself in third person while explaining part of his reasonings for writing a memoir. I said the things that I said for free and fucking destroyed my career. Made my job untenable and then tried to make hard lemonade out of lemons. Fannin's memoir, Hold the Line, The Insurrection and One Cop's Battle for America's Soul, is set to be released on October the 11th. So it's going to be released this week. Fannin was among the officers defending the Capitol when it was stormed by a mob of former President Donald Trump supporters. Prosecutors said Fannin was repeatedly stun gunned, beaten with a flagpole, and dragged down several steps. He had a heart attack and a concussion as a result of the assault and said he was left with a traumatic brain injury and PTSD. I experienced the most brutal, savage hand-to-hand -hand combat of my entire life, let alone my policing career, which spans almost two decades, he told CNN in April 2021. This was nothing I had ever thought would be a part of my law-enforcing career. So, there you go. Fannin is out of a job, and that kind of comes with the territory whenever you go against people of that, I don't want to say ilk, because... People that are even Republicans, they didn't like 
what Donald Trump's people did or Donald Trump supporters did, because even Republicans are saying Donald Trump supporters of that cloth are not true Republicans. So I'm not going to hold Republicans like that accountable. What I will say is this, whenever a police officer goes against policing or people that were probably inside that uh, mad mob that happened to do that, police officers that were inside the mob themselves, that weren't on duty, they were in regular civilian clothes that mobbed the whole thing. And for a police officer to go out and step out against their own brethren, against their own shield, that is always a thing that police officers have to take into accountability, take into their own mindset that, hey, I'm going against the shield. Why do you guys think, what, two weeks ago, I said something about I'm going to be watching a certain case to see what type of officer is going to come out to speak out against a officer who's been known to sexually harass black women that has a history with that. Why did you think I was going to say I was going to watch that? There's a reason why, because of things like this, talking about how his career got destroyed because he just spoke out about the insurrection, about the rebellion of people that came down and tried to, to basically cause harm to people at January 6th at the Capitol, why do you think I was going to keep and look at this type of stuff? I like to see what officers have to say about other officers. That's always interesting because you don't hear that enough. You don't see that a lot. You don't see a lot of officers really condemning people of the badge, the shield. You don't see that because they know what it is. That is the true mafia. That's the true mob. That's the true gangsters. That's the true gangs. I don't care what you say. If you are in the mafia or uh, a gang sort, you could still get out of that line of work and that line of corruption by just going over to the cops and tattletelling, snitching, ratting. There's so many words for it, but you can get people out. That's how that kind of stuff works. The only time it becomes a problem is if somebody inside the gang life has a person that they're paying inside a police officer's uh, station, and that becomes a problem. Because if you try to tattletale or snitch, guess what? It goes to their ears. They'll put you out, and then there you go. It'll be everything smooth sailing for the gangsters and everybody else that are out there in the street to continue doing the street stuff, while guess what? The people inside the badge people inside that building people inside the police officers building will be able to do what they want and they'll still be able to keep that budding relationship going but if there is no mafia having a connection to a police officer there is no crips or bloods or gang affiliate like being honed or having a connection to a police officer the real gangsters the real mobs the real gangs completely in this country is literally police officers because guess what they are protected by that shield they can kill you and they say they were doing their job in the line of duty because of that shield because they are wearing the badge that's the reason why i like to watch and keep an eye on whenever an officer gets in trouble and see if an officer is going to come out and say, yo, that officer was a piece of garbage. He wasn't good. He wasn't any of that because you rarely see it because you are going against the badge. You are going against the brotherhood. And once you do that, guess what? You are putting yourself literally in the line of fire. You're putting yourself in danger the moment you do that. And for this officer right here, even though he was protecting the Capitol, he was still going against officers that were in the insurrection, that were in plain clothing. He was still going against them. So for him to have his life be upside down after speaking out, yeah, I could truly believe it. And I could believe it wholeheartedly is, is what it is. He should have got paid. He should have thought about that more. And I'm glad he did the right thing because sometimes, you know what? There are things that money should not be the motive for why you have to say what you got to say. Money shouldn't be the motive. You should want to say because you're a good person. You have this in your heart. You have this on your chest that, yo, I have to say this to stop other people from doing this type of damage in the world. And that's the type of thing that people don't have out here. People don't have integrity. People don't have character. People are all about the dollar and they're all about self. 
And that's what, again, society has been built upon, the mighty dollar and self. So for him to come out and speak about it, I applaud this man, and I'm glad he wrote a book about it. I just wish that he would have thought about it some more and had some steps being put like after this. Like, okay, if I testify, say this type of stuff, what is in it for me? I would have this laid out. I would have this kind of coverage, this type of stuff, blah, 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 all this stuff laid out. Apparently, from what this guy is saying, he didn't have none of that. So he got a book right now, and hopefully it might make New York uh, Times bestsellers. Maybe. I mean, I believe this is the first book of an officer talking about their firsthand experience with the uh, Capitol riot that happened last year in January 6th. Maybe, I think. But he might be getting a, he might get more book deals. He might get this his book turned into a movie or a television show, because that's where the real money comes in. Maybe. Who's to say? But I'm glad he uh, is coming up with something. I'm glad he's able to get some money out of his experience, because him being broke and after just testifying about his experience at the Capitol, that's not right, but it is what it is, because again, you win against the Shield. So, uh, I just want to keep everybody informed with that. And again, I will be watching out for more officers if they do go against the Shield, because that's going to be interesting. Now, on to Yahoo News, as this comes from Santa Clara Police. Protester knocked down by Rams player on Monday night has filed assault complaint. A protester who ran onto the field during Monday night's NFL game has filed an assault complaint against the Los Angeles Rams, a spokesperson for the Santa Clara Police Department told Yahoo News. It's an active investigation, uh, the lieutenant said Wednesday. I can confirm a person did come in Tuesday at 1.45 and filed a report. However, it's an ongoing investigation, so we're not able to release details at this time. The complaint stemmed from a moment in the second quarter of Monday's game between the Rams and San Francisco's 49ers when a pair of animal rights activists representing direct action everywhere jumped a railing and onto the field at Levi Stadium. One of the protesters was subdued on the sideline, but the second person made his way onto the field with an object in his hand that was immensifying pink smoke. As the person ran near the visitor's sideline while being chased by security, Rams linebacker Bobby Wagner and defense lineman Tiki McKinley intervened and knocked the protester to the ground. Cell phone footage showing Wagner delivering a hit on the protester went viral across social media platforms. Both protesters were ticketed by the Santa Clara Police Department and released. I don't know how them <laughs> were released. I don't understand it. Video of the incident also appeared to show that a man from Levi Stadium security injured himself while chasing the protester. Okay, Wagner spoke about the matter on Wednesday and said he was aware of the police report via the Associated Press. Okay, uh, this this whole thing is garbage. You cannot, and let me say this right now, you cannot run up on a field and try to act like a jackass the way that you did, and now whenever you get tackled, you now are going to play the victim card. We're not doing this. No, 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 no. Just because you see a lot of people in the soccer games going down to the field and running around being streakers and all this type of stuff, and you got security guards tackling them down, you think just because you're going to do this on a football field, oh, none of the players are going to attack me. Oh, no, you are on my field. You are running across my sideline. You are distracting the game. What are you doing? You are going to get touched. If security can't touch you, I'm going to system. And I'm going to tackle you down to the ground and let security grab you up. And that's exactly what happened. Play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. That's exactly what happens. Ladies and gentlemen, you are a fan of the sport. You're there to watch a certain activity. You're not supposed to jump the guardrails. I guarantee you, you have some type of safety protocol that they tell you before the game starts or they at least let you know, yo, you're not supposed to jump the guardrail. You're not supposed to do this. You're not supposed to do that. You can get loud at a, at a football player. You can jaw jack with them. You can jaw jack with a basketball player, a hockey player, a soccer player, all these people. You can jaw jack with them, but you cannot jump that railing and get on that field. Because once you do that, you are now invading their game. You're invading their privacy. You are taking, you're taking liberties, okay? It's a professional wrestling term. You're taking liberties. Even in wrestling, 
whenever you are at a wrestling event, they tell you do not cross that guard. Do not jump the gate. Do not jump the railing. Because once you do, you are now in a wrestler's vicinity. You're in their space. And they are legally able to beat you up and bloody you up if they feel like it. Because you are now invading their personal space. You're invading their space. And for you as a fan, or just even a person that bought a ticket or came along with somebody else, why would you want to jump something? Because you want to get some airtime? You want to make something known? Do that. You guess what you do? You go outside the field, you take a photo, you try to come up with some catchy type of header or whatever the case may be. You get some type of hashtag and you send that to as many people as you can and ta-da, that, you, you wish for the best. But once you play a stupid game by jumping the guardrail and running and having a pink fume in your hand and all this type of stuff, you are an idiot. You deserve to get tackled. You deserve for that to happen. I hope the judge throws this case out. Whoever the judge is throws this case out because this should not happen. I'm happy for the football players that got tackled this guy down. I saw this thing on social media. I thought this guy was an idiot. There's too many idiots going around. And you know what? To be honest with you, Certain idiots do need to be tackled. And if a soccer player sees somebody running up on their field, some of them do need to get low kicked right in their shin, and some of them might get their shin snapped. I'm just saying, I'm not saying don't do it. Please don't do it, because if the law says you can't do it, don't do it. I'm talking about football, I'm talking about soccer players popping somebody in their shin. I'm pretty sure there's not a law for a football player to tackle a person running up onto their field. I'm just saying, if you are a person that happens to want to try to get some promotion for whatever you are trying to uh, promote, don't be an idiot, don't be a jackass, don't do what this person did, all right? That's all I'm saying, okay? Now, on to the next topic, my man Elon Musk. This comes from ABC News. Elon Musk accuses Twitter of refusing renewed offer. Elon Musk accused Twitter on Thursday of failing to accept his restored offer to purchase a social media platform at the original price of $54.20 per share. The billionaire entrepreneur also asked the Delaware Chancery Court to halt a trial that's scheduled to begin later this month. Musk and Twitter have been embroiled in a legal battle since he made an offer to buy the platform and then decided to back out after the company allegedly did not provide him with the information he requested about bot accounts. Twitter will not take yes for an answer. Astonishingly, they have insisted on proceeding with this litigation, recklessly putting the deal at risk and gambling with their stockholders' interests. Musk attorney said in a new court filing. Twitter offered Mr. Musk billions off the transaction deal. Mr. Musk refused because Twitter attempted to put certain self-serving conditions on the deal. Any statement to the contrary is a lie, Elon Musk attorney said in a statement. In response, Twitter said it opposes the attempt to stop the trial. Shortly after Musk requested Canceling the trial on Thursday, the judge postponed it, a source familiar with the matter told ABC News. The trial was initially scheduled to start on October 17th and now has been pushed back to October 28th, according to the source, the same date by which Musk said he expects the deal with Twitter to be done. So, Elon Musk still wants to buy Twitter after all this whole little game of, A, they didn't give me what I wanted, or now they apparently they don't want to take my deal now because now I'm cool with paying $54.20 a share. Yo, I told you before, I was going to keep my eye on this. I told you that this is number big business. I told you this is above my pay grade and anybody else's pay grade. This is nothing but just billionaire, big ball people just playing a game of basketball or a game of dodgeball with each other or a game of tag if you will tag you're it tag i'm it whatever you want to call it or whatever type of analogy you want to use for this this is nothing but people with a lot of money playing games with each other and that's all this is if you happen to own twitter stock hey you might be getting 54 dollars and 20 cents a share okay if you don't and you're just a user of twitter like myself I want to know point blank, when Twitter is bought by Elon Musk, what is Elon going to do with Twitter? Elon buying Twitter, I don't think is going to do much. I just think that it's going to be owned by another big billionaire person. That's all I can say about that. 
And that's all I personally might know about it because I don't know much. Again, big, uh, big business above my pay grade type of business here. Um, I just find it fascinating because you're gonna have Elon Musk buying Twitter. You have Mr. Tesla buying Twitter. Mr. Futuristic buying Twitter. So you can see him try to implement a lot of futuristic stuff on Twitter. Maybe it's just fascinating to me. So will the deal go through? Will it not go through? I'm still going to be watching this thing, but this was something that popped across my feed this week. And I think I should have tell everybody what's going on with uh, Twitter and Elon. And to talk about something else uh, to CNN again, as this talks about Joe Biden, he is now um, taking steps to try to decriminalize marijuana. As it reads, President Joe Biden is taking his first major steps towards decriminalizing marijuana, fulfilling a campaign pledge to erase prior federal possession convictions, and beginning the process of potentially loosening federal classification of the drug. Biden on Thursday pardoned all prior federal offenses of simple marijuana possessions, a move that senior administration officials said would affect thousands of Americans charged with the crime. The announcement comes a month ahead of critical November elections that will determine control of Congress. Okay, so people are trying to say this is nothing but a political move. Fine. As part of the announcement, Biden also encourages governors to take similar steps to pardon state simple marijuana possession charges, a move that would potentially affect many thousands more Americans. And the president will task the Department of Health and Human Services and Attorney General Merrick Garland to expeditiously review how marijuana is scheduled under federal law, the first step toward potentially erasing a federal classification that currently places marijuana in the same category as heroin and LSD. No one should be in jail just for using or possessing marijuana, Biden said in a video announcing his executive actions. It's legal in many states and criminal records for many marijuana possessions have led to needless barriers to employment, housing, and educational opportunities. And that's before you address the racial disparities around who suffers the consequences while White and black and brown people use marijuana at similar rates. Black and brown people are arrested, prosecuted, and convicted at disproportionate rates. Too many lives have been upended, well, appended because of our failed approach to marijuana. It's time that we right those wrongs, the president said. The move Biden announced Thursday stopped short of fully decriminalizing it, which has enjoyed growing support among both political parties, but they are the first significant steps taken by a U.S. president toward removing criminal penalties for possessing marijuana. I have no problem with Biden trying to get rid of uh, marijuana-like things. What I mean by that is like the charges, federal charges for marijuana. I don't think marijuana was ever that big of a deal. Even as I grew up in the early 2000s and you had all the weed movies coming out, you saw people smoke weed in the movies and everything else. You only saw them smoke weed. They were either lazy. Well, not lazy. They kicked back and they just ate. And they either they watched TV or they had those, uh, what do they call them? Illusions or whatever the case may be. They were never ever people doing any type of, like, crimes. Even on, like, television shows and movies. They weren't people killing people to find money to get their marijuana fixed or all this type of stuff. No, they were only just people just, like, smoking weed. They kicked back and they just ate and watched television so marijuana for me for a long time has never been like seen as a hard drug like cocaine or uh crack or heroin like those things are like some hard stuff so i've never seen marijuana as like a hard situation i always just seen it as like okay people just smoke something all right cool fine whatever um for Biden to now try to decriminalize it federally, I'm glad for that, but he should have tried to figure out a way how he could fully decriminalize marijuana. But, hey, the guy takes small steps so they can get to that bigger step to fully decriminalizing marijuana. I hope that they're able to get to that point sooner rather than later because there are a lot of people that smoke marijuana. There were a lot of people back in the day that smoke marijuana, but there's more now because now the stigma of it being a crime of it being a drug that you could go to jail for has now been, like, 
put away and now people are able to decide like, yo, matter of fact, I'm going to try marijuana. I'm going to try this thing that I've seen all my friends and seen people do, you know, let's see if it has any benefits towards me. Do what will it happen? What will happen to me? Will I become more ease? Will I be more relaxed? Will it at least help my bone structures out? What will happen? So for people to now use marijuana and you see it in television, you see it just being flownly like just being used around television and movies now more than ever on live TV. You see people like say, hey, yo, do you want some uh, of my marijuana brownie or my marijuana cookie or gummies, all this type of stuff? You wouldn't have dared seen that like in early 2000, like broadcast or even early 2010 broadcasting. Because again, there was still some stigma to it, but I think people were trying to get over that. And now that we're in 2022, people are completely over it. It's everywhere. If you want to really find marijuana, you could find it. And I'm glad that now Biden has now tried to make a step forward for it to be decriminalized. And I want people that are in jail, that were in jail because of marijuana possession, to be out of jail. Because boy, oh boy, they should never have been in there. Because again, marijuana was never, ever under the category, at least in my eyes, and I think to a lot of other people in America's eyes, under the same category as heroin, crack, and cocaine, those three things are some hard, hard drugs, boy, and if you got into those, that's a bad slippery slope, but again, hey, Biden's trying, I can applaud him for that, and I'm going to say congrats for Biden to try to make one step uh, closer for decriminalizing marijuana completely all the way, it's not too late. I'm just going to say that right now. It's not too late for people to try the idea of just stop putting all the stigma that you have on marijuana on it. Try it out yourself if you're in the legal states to do it. Try it out yourself to see if you are more mellowed out or what it does for your body. If it could probably even help your body with some of the pains in, like you have in your joints or even in your muscles. This is coming from a guy that does not smoke marijuana or even eats any marijuana products. I'm just saying to you as a person. Personally, if you see that marijuana could help you out, just de-stress you or any of that type of nature, try it out. Because maybe, guess what? Just maybe, you just might be able to become the person that you want to become. The person that is able to de-stress and be able to mellow yourself out because life shouldn't stress you out that much. Bills and everything else, I get it. They have a place in here so you can enjoy lights and water and electricity and all this type of stuff but bills shouldn't stretch you out the way that it does uh your work shouldn't stretch you out the way that it does school shouldn't stretch you out the way that it does people in general shouldn't be stressing people out the way that it does but hey again if you're in a state that has marijuana and you're legally able to get marijuana and you're of the age to do marijuana i'm just saying it's not an endorsement I'm just saying you might want to check with somebody that has done it, see what the situation is, and probably check with a doctor to see, Ayo, do you think for my condition, for my body, do you recommend me trying marijuana or any of that? That's what I'm getting at here. But I'm glad that Biden's trying to decriminalize marijuana, even at a federal state, like federal situation. I hope the states and the, like, people in charge of these states are able to come up with ideas to decriminalize it and then help out Biden with the idea of fully decriminalizing marijuana as a whole. But only time will tell. So congratulations for Biden to try to uh, stop uh, marijuana for being, well, criminalized and trying to help people that are in jail come out of jail more frequently and more quickly because, again, he is right. Black and brown people are going to jail more frequently because of marijuana, or they have been for many decades because, well, we were always targeted by police officers. Not too many whites like that, but black and brown, yes. So I'm hoping that that plan uh, gets executed uh, fairly quickly. Now, on to the final, final uh, target. Well, not target, but topic, but you could say target. Um, Kanye, my man Kanye, I'm not going to say nothing bad about Kanye here. I'm just going to shout my brother with love and support right now because right now he's going through something. And you can say he's not going through something. He's in his right mind, Gerald. He knows what he's doing. And for people that don't know, earlier this week, Kanye West was at some type of fashion show or he held a fashion show wherever the hell it was. And he had White Lives Matter on his 
uh, back of a hoodie or back of a sweatshirt. He was with him and Candace Owens were standing by side by side. Somebody took a photo of the back, said "Why Lives Matter," and that had the whole internet going stupid, dummy nuts. And I thought to myself, you know what, Kanye just needs some love and support right now. I'm not gonna dog him. I'm not gonna hound him. I'm just gonna shower my brother with love and support because you know what, he is not in the right mental head frame. He's never been in the right mental head like case. He's never has been that. If you could look at Kanye's career, he never has been. He went through a car accident. His wire got his mouth got wired shut. He still tried to rap even during that. What person would continue to want to rap while your mouth is wired shut? And if you don't believe me, listen to the song Through the Fire. It's literally him rapping while his mouth is wired shut, ladies and gentlemen. Okay? His mother passes. My man goes on a downward spiral ever since, and my man has never, ever re- like, really, ever really picked himself up from that downward spiral from his mother passing. And he's bipolar as well. You add that on top of that. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to dogpile on Kanye. That's a black brother. He's a guy that was able to succeed in music and still succeed to this day. Because if Kanye West drops an album right now, no matter how mad you are for that White Lives Matter bullcrap that he pulled, you're still going to want to listen to that album. You're still going to listen to his music because he's Kanye freaking West. And... He pulled out great hits for legions of people that he's worked with for years and years. So he's accomplished that in music. He goes to clothing. He is able to work with Adidas. He's able to work with Nike. He's able to work with Gap. He's able to make himself a big name in the fashion world. Even though he still wants more validation and everything else, Kanye is a multi-millionaire, billionaire, if you will, according to whoever you want to listen to, again, but Kanye's name, the Yeezy brand, Kanye himself is a man who has been able to succeed in clothing, he's able to do clothing, and people will buy his stuff, again, you guys have heard me on multiple episodes, I never gotten Kanye's clothing at all, the holes in your shirts, the holes in your pants, the holes in the hoodie, it looks like hobo or Versace, if you will, I never got it, but that's not for me to get. People will buy it and people will continue to buy anything that Kanye puts his hands on because people love Kanye. Kanye himself is the brand. And for people to vilify Kanye right now because he has blood, white lives matter on a freaking hoodie and all that type of stuff, I get it. You're upset. You're in your emotions and all that. I can't be because he's a black man. He's able to accomplish that in music. He's able to accomplish himself in clothing. And clothing is a hard thing for a black man to really accomplish himself at that is really if we're really going to be honest that is really a gatekeepers type of business for a black individual you got to really represent yourself in a way that for other white creators to really actually want to rock with you and mess with you in a way that the way that they mess with Kanye I can't demonize Kanye for what he's done I'm not going to demonize him I'm going to give my brother love and support and that's all I can say about Kanye. I don't know the man personally. I just see what he's able to do. And I'm just able to track down the blueprint of what he's has been doing. I'm not going to vilify. Again, I'm not vilifying him. I'm not going to demonize him. I love Kanye as the person. I love the artistry of what he's able to do with his music. And shoot, even the artistry of what he's able to do in business. Because if you got people buying Hobo Versace... What more can I get mad at? What more can I say? I can't vilify and demonize this man. I'm not doing it. So, love and support to Kanye. I hope he gets well. I hope somebody on his team can talk to him and actually give him his pills that he needs for his bipolar stuff. And I hope that he can at least find some true love and support, whether it be from his kids or whether it be from his rapper buddies around or even Jay-Z because Jay-Z seems to be the only person I believe that if Kanye really wants to listen to somebody, he'll listen to Jay and Jay listen and grab your man Kanye and really like nurture him. Be the brother that he deems you to be. Do that for him, right? Now, with all that being said, this has been my Two Cents Podcast presented by G2. I want to thank you all for listening to the episode. I hope you guys have a great day. If you are a wrestling fan, do know that there is an episode right now. One, the Saturday episode, Wrestling Highlights of the Week, out there. And two, there's an episode dropping today. It probably already is out right now. 
it is the extreme rules uh review of last night extreme rules pay-per-view i talk about it and if you want to listen to it it is out there right now so i want to thank apple spotify google uh amazon all these other podcasts uh sites that keep me doing what i'm doing and allow me to say what i want to say i want to thank them all and i want to thank you the fans for constantly downloading the episodes now with that being said always remember i love you i love you i love I love you all. I thank you. I truly do. I hope you guys have a blessed Sunday. Please don't be a dick to nobody. And uh, be be a kind human being towards every other person that you come in contact with this upcoming week. Okay? So with that, this isn't goodbye. This is until you hear from the sweet sounding voices again. This lovely voice that has been cured from uh, sickness. I want to say thank you. You hear from me again, whether this upcoming Saturday for Wrestle Highlights of the Week or Sunday if you listen to Sunday episodes. Now with that, Kanye, my brother, can you please take these people home? I'm tired, you tired, uh-huh. Jesus wept. Uh-huh.